Good morning, everyone. I'm curious if anyone's like me, if you find yourself reflecting very often um, on all the different things that have happened in your life, the decisions you've made, good and bad, that have led you to this moment, like right where you're at right now. Like you think about the friends you have in your life and how that even happened. Maybe it's a partner that you're romantically connected to and all that that had to happen for you to link up with them and then the life perhaps that you've lived, maybe the neighborhood that you've ended up in, the kind of work that you're doing. How did that, I don't know, every now and then I find myself reflecting on like, how the heck did I end up in this life doing what I, with the people that are, and you know, you start going back and tracing back the events, the moments when introductions were made, having no idea in that moment how that would spiral into this. You ever think about some of the decisions that you made that oh, led you into some dark places too? Where you're just like going, oh my God, I remember when I said yes to that thing or to that person and where that thing ended up leaving me. Oh. It's like, aren't we all just trying in all the decisions we're making and all the things that we're saying yes to or no to, aren't we just trying to find the sweet spot? You know that sweet spot I'm talking about? That, that, that experience of life that just becomes like watching a 4K TV where all of a sudden everything just moves into this rich vibrancy and color and sound. It's like life takes on this larger than life feeling where you're like, God, this is worth getting out of bed for in the morning. Ha, ah, love this. When you hit that sweet spot, it's like, man, you can't wait to climb out of bed. It's like, yes, today, let's go. But sometimes the decisions we make, sometimes the things that we do don't lead us to the 4K TV. They lead us to the black and white box set, right? And the things are fuzzy and every now and then the, flame, the frame starts flipping up and it's like, get the rabbit ears out. This is driving me nuts. Life takes on this monochrome, boring, three-channel existence. Remember those days? Where life just becomes hard. And you look at kind of where you're at and you're going, man, I don't like what's happened here. I don't like this situation I find myself in. I, where did things go sideways? I was 27 years old. Looking back, probably somewhere around there. And I found myself in that kind of scenario where my existence, my daily getting up in the morning was becoming more and more of a grind. I, uh, it hadn't started that way. I was working for a church. I was working as a student youth pastor. And uh, when I started off there, I was really young, but it was a church I'd grown up in. 
I knew a lot of the, I knew all the kids. I had invested a ton of my life there. A whole bunch of stuff happened and I kind of stepped up to lead this group. And it was exciting times. I loved the kids. And things took off and things were going so well. But over time, something started happening. I began kind of forming a stronger and stronger philosophy of life, of ministry, working with people in church world, I began to question the way things were just always done. Because I'd, I'd look at the outcomes of it and I'd go, why do we have to do it that way? Why couldn't we change and, and do it this way instead? Little things. On the surface, everything was going well. Like we were, we were experiencing a lot of Excited! I was taking groups of kids into some exciting humanitarian opportunities and trips. I remember one trip we were down in the inner city of New York in a soup kitchen mission. Ten days we were in New York, walking through the bowels, the ugliest parts of New York City, and they were scooping food for some of the um, hardest up people they had ever experienced walking through dark places. And man, I tell you, watching the life change in those kids. Parents were happy. You know, everything on the surface was going well, but down deep inside, something inside me was looking at kind of the enterprise that I was a part of and going, I'm not believing in this as much as I once did. And... If you've ever experienced something like this, you know like the motivation starts lagging. Getting out of the bed in the morning is just getting harder. Deep down inside, I felt this resentment starting to build. It's just like, it's upset at my boss, I was upset at the system I was a part of, and it seemed like every time I, I was in this, these different situations. I, I, I'd be confronted with something that I didn't agree with. And it would just oh, it irk me. I remember being in a hot tub with a coworker time and time again. And I would just start talking, asking questions. But why does it have to be done this way? And I remember him saying, man, if I hear this thing that that guy says one more time, I am, and I remember him looking at me going, Jeff, chill out. It's no biggie. And me looking at him going, yes, it is. This is a big thing. And he's going, I don't know what you're getting so worried. And I, I would think, am I going nuts? You ever been in a situation where it's just like, you're not happy with some part of your life, but you're looking around, everyone else seems happy. It's like they're doing it. It's like, well, what's my problem? <laughs> Recently watched, rewatched 
The Truman Show. Everyone, anyone ever seen this movie? How many of you have seen this? The Truman Show, yeah, great. Man, it's old, man. It's been around for, uh, 97, 98 came out. It's been around for a long time. It's a movie, in case you've never heard of it, it's a movie about a guy named Truman Burbank. He was played by Jim Carrey. This guy grew up living in an ordinary life that unbeknownst to him was taking on, was, it was taking place on a large television set. He didn't know it. A massive television set, like the size of a town. Sea Haven was the town. It was, this, it was an island town community. And everyone around him that he thought was just normal family, friends, neighbors, were actually actors, paid actors. It was such a mind-blowing concept. I remember when I watched this movie. Every day in the Truman Show, people, millions, are tuning in to watch the life of Truman. It was the first ultimate reality show. This was before reality shows, really. All these millions, like 5,000 cameras set up like CCTV all over Sea Haven. Just watching the life of Truman as he lived out his life. And it was a very controlled environment. Kristoff, the executive producer played by Ed Harris, he kind of masterminded these different chapters of Truman's life. He had these ideas for how his life could play out. The problem was that some of the stuff he had in mind for Truman didn't fit Truman that well. And as Truman got older, he found himself longing for something different than what he was experiencing on Sea Haven. That's kind of the nuts and bolts of the movie. I'm sorry if you haven't seen it and you're thinking about seeing it. It's a spoiler alert all over, okay? I have to say, as I rewatched this movie again, I gained a new appreciation this time around for how rich this movie is with spiritual metaphors of the human experience. I mean, there are some characters in this movie that I think you and I all know in our own lives. Situations that we'll all, whether we've experienced in the past or are experiencing it right now or will, they are true of the human experience and especially the spiritual journey. So this morning, I thought, you know, we're here in the middle of this series called The Stories That Have Changed Our World. I thought I'd, I'd talk about the story of the Truman Show. I'd, read, I'd, I'd kind of unpack it. And I'd show you how these metaphors may be showing up in your life. Or have, maybe without you even recognizing them. Or perhaps will in the coming days. My thinking is that if you can see the metaphors and you can understand that these metaphors, they are so common in the human experience. If you can become aware of them and what may be happening, how the Truman Show may be playing a part in your own world, in your own life, perhaps when it all starts happening, your response 
to these scenarios might be the best possible. And rather, rather than running away from your sweet spot, whatever that looks like, you will make choices to run toward it. Because that's ultimately the story of the Truman Show, is a desire for Truman to, to try to find his sweet spot in life. Let's jump in. Sea Haven. Let's talk about Sea Haven, this, this island community that this story kind of is built around. It's kind of a Norman Rockwell, Sears mid-century town. Feels something like you'd, something you'd see on a 50s sitcom. You know, picture white picket fences and carefully curated lawns. I mean, it's clean. There's no crime. It looks like a a pretty ideal environment to maybe raise children in. It's just, it's a quaint village. But it's important to point out that in Sea Haven, everyone is following a very particular script. There isn't a lot of free thought or a lot of creative expression. You'll notice the homes all look very similar. Everyone kind of even looks pretty similar. Everyone seems pretty happy to be kind of following a very status quo way of living. The truth is, in Sea Haven, everything is being orchestrated toward a very particular outcome. As I think about Sea Haven, I think it's a powerful metaphor for many of the different cultures that we will find ourselves living in in our lifetime. Certain environments that just have a code. Sometimes it's not really overtly stated. Oh, but there is a code. Certain values, certain beliefs, certain practices that are instilled that kind of say, hey, look at we here at or in our family or here in this work environment or in this neighborhood, here's what we do. And don't get me wrong, I think that's important to maintain a certain amount of social order. It's important in certain work environments to have kind of a stated set of beliefs or practices or accepted behaviors, whatever, that everyone prescribes to. It makes life easier. At Sea Haven, there's this kind of this status quo. Stay within the status quo, and it is one of the coziest, safest, welcoming communities you could ever imagine. Come on in. Just change your shirt. Uh, oh, around here? Yeah, we don't talk about. Uh, you could go on and on with whatever it might be that we do in Sea Haven, but we all know these different cultures we've been a part of. There was just an accepted way of being. Often in communities, cultures, whatever that we're a part of, there are gatekeepers. People that police who's doing what, making sure there's this level of compliance, conformity to what we do. You know, Sea Haven, it could be a work environment that you're a part of. You walk in and you just notice, wow, everyone around here kind of has a certain look about them. 
or a certain focus or a certain work ethic. It could be your family, your neighborhood, the circle of friends you grew up with or the circle of friends that are now a part of your world right now. They can all represent Sea Haven. In this case, Sea Haven can be any environment that represents a prescribed way of being in the world and seeing the world, but that doesn't quite fit who you are. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever been in environments where you're looking around and everyone seems okay? That, my, my old church where I was working was my sea haven. There was a very prescribed way of, of being, seeing the world, way of living out ministry. And it was, seemed to be working for everyone except me. The code of Sea Haven sadly expects something of you that crosses some kind of internal value system you got going on. Perhaps in some circles, it's a sacrificial work ethic that just says, look at around here, work is number one. Yeah, we appreciate you have family. But here, just so you know, this will take the priority. Now, for many, they go, I'm in. I have no problem with that. Let's go. If you, if, if you don't share that value, it's like, uh-uh. In some circles, it's a party ethic. I've talked to some people that said, my whole life, my group, my community came out of my high school friends and they party. And at some point, I didn't feel like I was where they were at. Something was changing in me. And they had all these expectations. This is just what we do. And it was no longer fitting me. In some, they will end up in circles where materialism is just rampant. And they're looking at it going, ah, uh, certain financial values. Uh. Maybe for some, it's religious values. And, and they're sitting at going, I feel like I'm not seeing things the way they are. Maybe it's a political bent. In some sea havens, it, it, the, there's a code about not talking about problems. It's like you start talking about something that's going on in your life and they're like, whoa, 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 no. We don't do that here. We don't talk about that kind of stuff here. It's like, okay. No, the elephant will just stay there and we will live around it. Hmm. Yeah. For some, it's about security and safety. There's people that are just saying, you know what, around here, we don't take risks because of what we could lose. 
You could lose a lot if you were to, and so there's this settling, this sense that everyone's just, you know, it's good enough, it's good enough, and something inside you is going, it's not good enough. This is not good enough for me. People are saying, just, why can't you be happy? (laughs) Yeah. You see, it's only when you stop following or you even begin to question the code that this cozy, comforting, welcoming community called Sea Haven, whatever your Sea Haven is, becomes much less cozy. People become much less accommodating. Much less friendly, perhaps. Sea Haven can all of a sudden grow fangs. In the movie, as Truman enters his college years, Kristoff, the executive producer of the show, he has plans for Truman. Truman is going to meet Merrill, who's a school friend, college friend, and they're going to start dating and they're going to end up marrying each other. That was the plan. And so Merrill, an actor, paid actor, is showing up, bumping into Truman, you know, doing all this kind of stuff. And the plan is for Truman to fall in love. The problem is he's not attracted to Merrill. It's like, this isn't... Truman, out of the corner of his eye, he knows there's another girl named Sylvia. And he's like, I like her. He's drawn to Sylvia. The problem is Sylvia's just, <laughs> she's an extra on the set. They don't have plans for Sylvia. Sylvia's not a big actor. They're like, uh-oh, we got a problem. Kristoff's freaking out. He's like, we got to get rid of Sylvia. Get Sylvia out of here. This could be problems for the show. So what do they do? They remove Sylvia and they tell Truman, Truman, Sylvia and her family moved away to Fiji. It's, it's comical how it all plays out. They're just constantly manipulating and controlling the outcomes to try to lead Truman to a certain outcome. But no matter how much manipulating and contriving they do, Truman can't, can't rid himself of his desire to be reunited with Sylvia. And he secretly dreams of reconnecting with her at some point. In his mind, he begins to strategize. I am going to head off. I'm going to go to Fiji. And I'm going to reunite with Sylvia. I get thinking about Sylvia in this movie as a metaphor. A powerful metaphor. I think Sylvia could represent those things in our lives that for whatever reason just seem to resonate so deeply within you. You see it, whatever it is, and you go, oh, that right there. That is what I want for my life. You know that feeling, don't you? The thing that just seems so congruent with who you are. Deep down, what you know you want. And sometimes our attraction to the Sylvia in life 
makes no sense to everyone around you. You ever felt that? There's a guy I know, he had a, he had a great career with a telephone company years and years ago. His story has always fascinated me. He said, Jeff, I had this great home and a nice community in Calgary. I had this great job, nice office. I was paying all the bills, he says, but my soul was dead. Every day I'm going to work and I'm just... He said it, was just, it, was, it just became more and more just hating what I'm doing. People would say, well, what's your five-year plan? He said, anytime we talked about the future, it was just like a dagger in my heart. I just couldn't, I couldn't picture my life in this role, in this company for years. He said it was killing me. But he says, what do you do? You know, you've got this career. Anyways, he develops a back issue. Someone says, you need to see a chiropractor. He says, see a what? They said, chiropractor, you should go. So he ends up going to this chiropractor based on referral. And he's laying on the table and the guy's working him over. They're talking. And then all of a sudden, something clicks inside him. Not his back. That'd be a crack, I suppose. But something mentally clicks and he's looking up at this chiropractor and he says, I think I could do what you do. It's like something just, he locked into his Sylvia. He says he couldn't shake it. I, I want to help people. And you do it in a practical way. You're engaging with people all day long. Like there were just a bunch of different things that happened in that moment, he was like, huh, huh, what's that? I saw his Sylvia. I, there I am working as a youth pastor in this church. I begin meeting with other pastors. We're working on some big citywide events. I'm bringing a bunch of kids all together. And, and these were, were other leaders from other traditions that were different than my tradition. And I would get together with all these guys and I would hear them talking about things they were doing, things they were learning. We'd have some great discussions over kind of our own spiritual journeys. They kept mentioning this particular author and this church down the States where this author came out of. And it was intriguing to me. I was like, huh, that's interesting. And so I went out and picked up the book they were referencing I began reading this book. And I kid you not, I could not put down the book as I'm reading this. It was talking about things that I had been thinking. It was explaining what I felt were solutions, answers to stuff that were driving me nuts about my expression or my world of spirituality as I'm turning the page, I'm just something inside me is just leaping and going, that's, this is it, Jeff. I was locating my Sylvia. I was just like going, I remember it was during the summer. Kathy was out on Vancouver Island or Hornby Island out there and I was coming to meet her and the kids 
for a vacation. And I had picked up this book and I was reading it and I was flying into Victoria and I was going to take a bus up to where they were. And I'm just reading this and something is going nuts inside me. It's like, Jeff, this is it, this is it, this is it. If you've ever had one of those moments where all of a sudden some part of your life that felt broken or was missing or something and then someone, something comes into view and you're going, oh, that would, that, that is it, right? That, that, that's gonna, that's, oh. It's like all of a sudden glimpses of 4K television. It's like life just all of a sudden becomes so vibrant and exciting. I'm just like, oh, oh, ha, ha, ha. I remember getting on the phone with a buddy of mine. I'm going, because he, he knew my heartache. He knew he was with me on, on all this stuff. He's like, oh, I, I, I got him on the phone. I said, pick up this book, man. Within a day, he was already halfway through the book too. We were, oh, we're just like, something's coming alive. Have you experienced this? I, I, I watch people all the time who, who have this in little and big ways. Some of them, it will be, they'll be listening to a podcast and someone will explain something. Like, and sometimes it's just it's organizing their financial world or it's redecorating Sometimes it's a spiritual concept. Sometimes it's a relational tool. And all of a sudden, there's this vision, and it's like, oh, oh, this is good. Something inside you goes, oh, yeah, that's me. That is more accurate of, of what I want for my life than, the, than what I got going here. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm locking in. And you see them pursue it. Pursue it. Sometimes they're introduced to a concept. Sometimes I've watched people just always light up because they've, they've been introduced to people who are just living a different way. Maybe the way that they're interacting is a couple. And they're seeing a relationship look different. And they're going, oh. I've never experienced this. Some will watch it as they watch parents with their kids and their style of parenting, and they're going, oh, that makes more sense of everything I've known. You see, these Sylvias look, they come in all shapes and sizes, but they're just ways of doing life that are just truer expressions of what you've done or been or known, what you've practiced. And all of a sudden, when it opens up, you go, ah, 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 there, that's going to lead me close to my sweet spot. I can tell it. We have a radar for these things. Something inside is going ding, 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 ding. We're getting warmer if we're paying attention. Now, some people are asleep. It's happening, and they're not picking up on it. But people that are awake, who have ears to hear, 
will see these symptoms, see these things, and something inside him will go, oh, 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 pay attention right here, right what's going on right now. This is for you. When was the last time something inside you went, ah, 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 right here, pay attention. This is for you. What's crazy is as you lock in to the Sylvias of your world, the things that just make more sense, the things that are more true, the truer expressions of who you were actually made to be and to live like, become. Often in order to get to that, there's change needed. This is where it gets really crazy because often when you're living in a sea haven and you feel change coming. You feel there's something you need to make a change to. The reaction of sea haven is really funny. You would think in a moment when you're so excited to step out in a direction, maybe it's to, to make healthy change. I'm gonna stop eating the way I've been eating. I'm gonna start exercising. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start learning. I'm gonna go back to school. I'm gonna, whatever. The reaction you would think would be people doing this. But often, so often, the reaction of Sea Haven is not that. Often, it can feel the opposite. It can be people kind of going, are you sure about this? I'm a little concerned about you. Come on back. Because often the change, the breaking of the code, the honoring what's inside you often feels like you're leaving sea haven to them. And sometimes the greatest move that you make to find your truest expression means leaving some part or breaking some part of the code of sea haven. And that can feel very threatening to those people in your world. You ever felt that? Have you ever had people that rather than cheering you on when you were doing something that was making you come alive, they were sitting there crossing their arms and going, what do you think you're doing? I'm a little concerned. So Truman, at some point, reaches just this soul-numbed-out state where he's going, I can't do this any longer. He secretly disappears. Actually, before I get there, he, he, he just decides. He wants to break out. He wants to chase after Sylvia. And before he, he wanted to experiment, get out of Sea Haven. He just wanted to break away. So he plans this spontaneous road trip. He says, I'm just, I'm just going. Well, freaks out the show's producers. They don't know where he's going. They're going, whoa, 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 whoa. You can't just take off like this. So what do they do? So they start orchestrating a car accident to get in the way. You know, all of a sudden, the police is stopping him. And he's like... It's just like freaky. He can't even get out of Sea Haven. It's, it, it is mind-blowing to him. He's like, I, the resistance that's put up from him trying to break away oh, drives him almost to a mental breakdown. And so he turns around and he comes back to Sea Haven. 
I watched the resistance on that show and I go, wow, what a metaphor for how often we can experience resistance in our own lives when we're feeling a change we need to make. And it's like the conspiring against it, the pressure to conform. Perhaps the influences around your life that are not happy with the arms, whatever it is, the breaking out of Sea Haven is often marked by a lot of gaslighting and repression. It's making you think you're going nuts. It's making you think, man, you are crazy for doing what you're doing. Don't even think it. Come on. Oftentimes when people feel a change coming on, man, the threats that come out of Sea Haven. Some will be threatened with some kind of loss of status. Some will be threatened with a loss of financial support. Maybe there'll be a threat of business dealings that will go sideways, that they'll lose. It could be the threat of a loss of community. A couple weeks ago, I interviewed David. If you were around or heard that interview, his son comes out of, as gay. He starts questioning a bunch of different things. And man, the, it wasn't malicious. It was just the pressure to keep him within his family, within Sea Haven, minus his son, mind you, was tremendous. The threat of a loss of community was heartbreaking for him. He's going, I believe I need to move in this direction, but if I do, the community I stand to lose is, is going to be enormous. In some communities, it can be a spiritual repercussion that is threatened. There's heaven and hell hanging in the balance. You want to make that move? You want to question that doctrine? You don't want to believe what we believe? There's some warm place that's reserved for people that want to question this stuff. It can be crazy. Sea Haven will often use whatever means necessary to try to keep someone from leaving. Anyways, Truman tries breaking away. They convince him to stay. He thinks he's going nuts. And then at some point, he just says, I can't live this existence anymore. And he breaks out, breaks out, disappears through a makeshift tunnel in his basement. Frantically, Christoph, the executive producer and his team, they're scouring the town. They're going, where is he? Where is he? We got to find him. We got to find him. And they're flipping through all the cameras, whatever. The world is tuned in going, where did he go? All of a sudden, they spot Truman. He's overcome his fear of water. I mean, the lengths they went through, even as a child, they faked his father's fake drowning death to create a fear of water. So he would never leave the island. But here he is. He's in a little boat and he's sailing away from Sea Haven, overcome his fear of water, determined to find a better existence, a better life. He's, he's in search of Sylvia. And they're freaking out. Christoph is going nuts. He's like, oh my God, he can't go on the water. This is a set. How much, how far can he go? Anyways, crazy. They bring up this storm, they're trying to capsize the boat. 
And he perseveres until all of a sudden, bunk. <laughs> if you watch the movie, it's like, I can just imagine how disorienting it was. It's like all of a sudden, his boat hits the end of the set. <laughs> you know, he, he thinks he's out in the middle of the ocean, you know, and all of a sudden, bang, and he's like, what the heck? He hits the wall. It's the end of the movie set. It's like, what? He sees this set of stairs leading to an, an exit door. He's like, what is going on? He walks up those stairs. All of a sudden, he can hear Kristoff in the loudspeaker saying, Truman, Truman, don't leave. Don't leave. What does he say? He says, he said, the real, the, what you know of this world here is no more real than the real world out there. He said, only in here, there's nothing to fear. Out there, you know, that's kind of what he's communicating. Truman cracks open that door and looks out. It's like, ah, oh, the whole world out there. can't believe what he's seeing. Turns around. He says, in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Takes a bow to his audience and he walks through the doors. Now and then they, they panned all these people who are glued to their television watching the Truman, Truman as he walks from this movie set into the real world and everyone's clapping and cheering on his freedom. And it's like the show's over. People start turning the channel to what else is on TV. That is often the experience leading out of Sea Haven. You begin to feel like, man, my world could come to an end if I keep going. And then you walk through the door and you go, holy Crap. Look is what's out here. Remember when I left my job to start friends and it was like all this noise saying, what the heck are you doing? And then you walk through that door and it, what felt like the entire world that I was a part of, all of a sudden when I got through that world, I realized wow, that was just a small little bubble and there's so much more to explore and there's, and there's something out there that fits me better. I often think about what my world could have looked like had I stayed in that old environment or had I not just made changes. Oh, I mean, you know what? I lost a lot of friendships in the process. I lost credibility in certain loved ones' eyes, some judgment. But man, I'm telling you, I look back and I go, I think about those changes. Man, how close I was to never taking that step. I think, oh my God, thank God I walked through that door. You know that guy that I was telling you about in the phone company? He's my chiropractor today. He's an amazing chiropractor. I asked him, I said, do you ever look back and go, I wish I would have stayed? He said, oh, don't get me wrong. He said, my in-laws hated me 
for a, a long time because I had uprooted family. We moved down to the States. I went to chiropractor school, financial difficulties, all that kind of stuff. He says, I would not trade a day that I got today for that life back then. No. I wonder if, as you're listening to me this morning, if there isn't someone who's recognizing that some part of their life is in Sea Haven right now. Maybe you're recognizing a soul-deadening effect that something is happening on you, and you've smelled change. You've smelled, you sensed a need for something to give, to change, to be different. But maybe the cost, the fear, the threat, what could happen has kept you from making change. I'm, I'm not encouraging an abandonment here, just to be clear. Because sometimes the, the metaphor of leaving Sea Haven is not just running from a life that's hard. I'm not, I'm not in any way encouraging that. But I think we all have Sea Havens in different parts of our lives that are calling us to make change that fits, that's truer expression of who we are. And in fact, look at me, this is a large part of the spiritual journey, a continual movement, evolving, growing, taking steps, changing, altering parts, making different decisions that lead us to that sweet spot where we're living this vibrant 4K life that leaves us with the capacity to leave our world better. And instead, so often, we settle for Sea Haven and live this diminished life that has so little effect on those around us. We have no capacity to give beyond just getting by. I don't know what your Sea Haven is, but I guess, I guess the message today is if you, if you smell an area of your life that you're going, oh, I've been thinking about that for a while, would you give that some thought this week? Would you take one step toward living more congruent with who maybe you really were meant to be? One step. Maybe it's tricky. Maybe it's really complicated. You're going, you don't know the consequences of me making that step. Okay, fine, fine. So talk to someone about it. See a therapist. Come talk to us. Talk to someone outside of Sea Haven. Someone who doesn't have skin in the game. But I'm telling you, do not settle. Your life is worth, you, you have this short window now. Make the most of it. May this year mark you moving closer and closer to your sweet spot. That's what I hope for you. Yeah, that's all I got. My prayer for you, you, you will be ears and eyes open for those moments, Sylvia, and you'll contemplate what your next step might be in a way that brings just a more truer expression of who you are. Amen. Have a great week this week. May you make healthy choices. 